Hello and a very, 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 very warm welcome back to the Adam B and Adam G NBA podcast. We haven't seen you guys in a while. There's been a playoffs. The Larry O'Brien trophy's been awarded. The MVP's been awarded. But we figured so predictable was the Cavs-Warriors matchup. So predictable was that Warriors sweep. There was nothing important to say until now, until the start of maybe the sexiest free agency in a long time. At this point, I'd like to say hello to my co-host, the Macedonian Marvel. It's Adam G. Hello, Adam G. Hello, Adam B. Uh, it's good to be back. Our winter slumber is over. Our hiatus is done. Our holdout. We are back. Um, it's great to hear your voice. Uh, you're probably the seventh most excited voice that I'll hear when it comes to NBA. And if it wasn't for Mike Breen, Marv Albert, Kevin Harlan, Doris Burke, Chris Webber, Mike Tarico, and JVG, you'd actually be the number one. I'll take so, top seven, man. Top seven? I'm you're not definitely top that. seven. I'm not sweating Look, that. if I if I ever get a phone call from you and I have nothing to do with any of those seven, then I'm going to answer it. But look, if I get one of those seven, you know you're a, you're definitely behind them. So yeah, put it to it's one good side. to hear your voice. It's a pleasure yeah. to hear your voice. Hey, so the finals happened, and guess who was it? It was, was Warriors Cavs. Four, fourth in a row, third in a row, fourth in a row, fourth. Well, no one would have predicted that. No, it came out of nowhere. Um, and everyone thought, oh, it's going to be Houston, Boston. You know, everyone was calling this for months. And then, lo and behold, we get this shock result of the Warriors and the Cavs. Mm. Wild shit. What an exciting final. Yeah, <laughs> fucking wild shit. It was a clean sweep. Um, the Cavs had three quarters and 11 minutes of glorious basketball. Maybe three quarters, 11 minutes, 30 seconds of glorious basketball. Yeah. And they were so close to still in that first game and it could have changed everything. And then, as we all know, J.R. Smith happened um, and, you know, a controversial block slash charge call happened and it was just that little, those little things that make a huge difference and switch a series and turn something that could have been kind of interesting into something that's, well, it's done and dusted after one game, which, which hurts. Yeah, I think everyone felt the same way that, the series was done after game one and after J.R. Smith. And has anyone actually checked if he's okay? I hope I mean, so. I know that, I, I guess, like, J.R. probably has forgotten about it. He probably can't even remember what happened in in May, um, mm-hmm. early June. But, look, I mean, I just wanted to make sure that he's okay uh, because uh, that was one massive fuck-up. Uh, yeah, I hope someone sent him was some, some Hennessy and some weed and whatever else he needs yeah. to, you know. I'm sure exactly. he's doing great. I'm, I'm sure he's doing was great. It ac- yeah. Was it actually an exciting finals? No. It was exciting like to the- see if they could even win one game. Like, that's that's the bar. The bar was, oh, my God, do you reckon, do you reckon LeBron can, like, steal a game off Golden State? That was the high, the high watermark of the finals. I think... A good way to judge a final series is how people react to it once it's done. And so here, for weeks, maybe months, everyone was talking about Richmond and the Bulldogs winning the AFL Grand Final. Um, Everyone for months, even almost a year, was talking about Leicester City winning the Premier League. Mm -hmm. Uh, Everyone was talking about 
the Spurs when they won that championship. Everyone was talking about the Cavs when they won their first championship. That comeback, yes. Do we, I mean, look, even recently, everyone's still and was talking about the Eagles winning the Super Bowl up until the NBA Finals. When we actually care, when people actually care about a final series or a, a playoff series or a grand final or whatever it might be, we talk about it for longer than maybe a couple of days afterwards. It just feels like we hit the the playoff, the championship parade, and the most interesting thing there was that it was weird. It was odd. They were asking KD some weird questions, and that was it. That was It was over. No one really cared after that. The finals were the Western Conference finals, and kind of everything that happened after that is forgettable, and... Yeah, it's a, a trophy's a trophy, a ring's a ring. But let's let's move on. Like that's not what we're about here. Um, hopefully, we you know when we go around this merry-go-round next year, we'll get we'll get we'll get something fresh. And I think getting something fresh starts with free agency. It starts right now. Like we gotta we're gonna see a shake-up in power. Hopefully, in the league, I'm rooting for absolute fucking chaos because why why, why wouldn't you? I'm I'm ready for this. So, Adam G, where do we start with the off season? Do we start with LeBron? I think we I do. think we should start with with LeBron, but I don't think it actually starts with LeBron. I think he's going to do whatever he wants to do and go wherever he wants to go. I don't think it matters where Paul George or Kawhi or anyone else goes. No, no, no. That that's the that's the least of his concerns. But but you have to admit. I can picture him sitting back, leaning back in an armchair saying, oh, look, if the Lakers go out and get PG and Kawhi Leonard and don't completely gut their roster, yeah, I'm there. No doubt about it. And this, this presents the biggest conundrum of the offseason to date. I mean, we all, we all had a good chuckle at Doc Rivers trading his son. Here comes Austin Rivers um, for, for marching Gortat. Can you imagine getting traded for Gortat? That would be that. That's a bit. That's tough. By your dad. That, no, that, but that's who, tough. I know. Man. Like, okay. See, that's the problem. Like being traded for Gortat in itself. I don't think it's such a bad thing. Right. But when your dad trades you away for Marcin Gortat, that's that's a tough one. And not only trades you away, trades you to the furthest part of the country. <laughs> yeah, get out of he, he get, get out of the coast, man. You. You're out. <laughs> Any yeah. further away. Yeah. Austin Rivers is now living in DC. Yeah. Um, and that could, and yeah, he's going to be a serviceable but annoying backup guard. People in uh, DC are still already angry. And people in LA are already happy because no one likes Rivers and no one likes Austin Rivers oh. and people don't mind Marcin Gortat. Man, that's, that's, that's mean. That's mean. Like Austin Rivers has had some some real moments, and I wish him all like the what best. What would it take? Yeah, what would it take for you to get back? For you to trade your son? If you were a coach or a GM, and I think this is the ending of the Doc GM era, the trading of his son. But yeah, if you had a son playing in the NBA, what would it take for you to trade him away? Um, would it be Marcin Gortat? Is that the level of that's that that's like uh, uh, that's 
No, if I if I traded my son for Machine God Todd, like something something's gone wrong. But I, I'm actually with you, just like to go down this little side path. I I don't like a coach GM. I'm not interested. I don't believe you can do either one of those jobs properly if you have both. Um, I don't think I can't remember the last time it worked. It's greedy. It's like power hungry, and it just simply yeah. doesn't pay off. You can't be going and scouting in Europe the way you're meant to, going to college games the way you're meant to, making contacts the way you're meant to. Like this is that's no way to run a team. And I hope that era comes to an end because it usually ends in disaster. Like look at what Van Gundy did to fucking Detroit as as he left. He got that disgusting Blake Griffin contract and said, "Well, good luck. All the best." Yeah. I mean, it's basically like a having a job here in Melbourne, in the city, where you are the manager and the team leader. Yeah. And you get paid for both roles, but you are at the same time the manager and the team leader of your group. It's a trash, it's a trash model. Industry. Yeah. It doesn't work. It's no trash. No one does it. I'm not keen on it. Um, okay. So hey. shout out to Tibbs for keeping that role. Yeah, well done, Tips. Hold on for dear life. Um, <laughs> yeah, just hang in there. Um, All right, so, so we we did go, get a little sidetracked. Where do we think LeBron's going? Or where's possibly he going? Well, here's how here's how I would lay it out. We've got we've got a superstar, a former Finals MVP, Defensive Player of the Year, who wants out of San Antonio. It's been reported he doesn't even want to step foot into that locker room. And so Kawhi Leonard wants out. And San Antonio have clearly zero plans on getting fucked in this trade. They're not going to accept yeah. just anything. You get the impression that they're willing to wait, make everyone wait. They're willing to make him just sit on a bench or not even show up. Like, they are being absolutely stubborn and they will not move unless it's for the world. And the reason they have leverage, astonishingly, is because... Only one, like he's only expressed interest in going to one team, and that's the Lakers. So the Lakers now are like, well, you know, we're not going to overpay for this guy in a trade because he's only got one year left in his contract, and the Spurs have no leverage because he's only he said he only wants to go here. So you don't think it's the opposite? Well, you could you could you could Kawhi has no leverage because the Spurs know the place where he wants to go. And if they really want, they can just trade him somewhere else. But the, th- the thing is, no one else is going to want to take him because he's got one year left on his contract. So you, what you're doing is you're paying for a one-year yeah. rental. And especially if he's, he's, been a stubborn, he's been a stubborn prick for a year, basically, with the Spurs. So you can see him being a stubborn prick elsewhere if he's yeah, not happy. We all thought the same of Paul George. Mm. We all thought, why is OKC doing this when we know he's going to L.A.? Yeah. And come a year later, we actually don't know exactly what Paul George is doing. Now, it would surprise me if he doesn't take OKC's offer just because of the extra $50 million that he can get from OKC. Mm. But, um, but the, the, I mean, look, he's, he's 32 risk. coming off major injuries and another surgery on his knee. It wouldn't surprise me if Paul George opts into OKC and then we play it from there. But for Kawhi... He's young. I don't think he has, yeah, I don't think he has any leverage. No, because, and yeah, he doesn't. As you said Spurs will just hold him. Yeah, and also he's shown to prospective teams that if he's not happy, if things aren't going his way, if he believes the situation's unfair, he just won't play. He won't talk to anyone, he won't participate. Um, so he's shown a lot of stubbornness 
And I think that stubbornness is going to turn off other teams from packaging anything substantial because why would you want to, you know, give up draft picks or a promising young player or an established vet for one year of grumpy Kawhi Leonard? Like that all of a sudden becomes a big problem. So for, for San Antonio, it's all about fucking extracting as much value out of the Lakers as you can and making them sweat. Because the other piece of the puzzle, of course, are the two other players that might be interested in going to LA, which are Paul George and LeBron James. And God knows when super teams are formed, it's all about dominoes falling. So if Kawhi goes to LA, the thinking goes, they'll sign Paul George and LeBron will choose them. And it all falls into place. But until this deal goes down... It's really hard to see, like, who's going to make the first big move? Is LeBron just going to opt out? Is that going to be the first big move of free agency? The Lakers are, like, walking the tightrope of either forming a super team with Magic Johnson or missing out for the second year in a row on a big free agent. Yeah, and I still think they'll get one of the three. I still think they'll get LeBron. It'd be hard to imagine them not getting one of three. Yeah. But does LeBron go to play with, like, Kyle Kuzma... And Lonzo Ball and no. Luol Deng? Like, is that where is that is, is no, that what he, he wants? He's not going to go from playing from a for a dumb team to playing for a pretty much a dumb team, maybe bar a couple of players. A dumb team that's but, younger and more athletic, but still fucking yeah, not a team. It's still dumb. It's still not a good team. Um, I still think LA have a chance to get all, one of the three. Uh, I find it hard to believe they'll get two, but we'll see how they go. If they get Kawhi, um, I'd say they're getting the other two. But if they don't, I think LeBron's LeBron's destination is totally up for grabs. Houston haven't got the money to sign him, but well, Houston only have the money to sign him if they somehow manage to get rid of Ryan Anderson's contract, which everyone in the NBA doesn't want because they know that one, Houston are doing it to get better, and two, because it's a ridiculous contract. Yeah, um, that's a hard. You would sell. have to. I know, but you would have to offer another team almost two first-round picks for them to take Ryan Anderson's contract, and the other one being Clint Capella. Which you and don't want to give they, up, you know? No, and if they re-sign him, then there is... I don't see how they get any of them. Um, the other places that have been floated for LeBron, uh, Philly, who have made an impressive amount of space and definitely have some good young players to um, palm off. And then... The idea is, like, he might also just want to go to L.A. full stop, so could it be the Clippers? But I think they're just in too much of a mess post-Blake Griffin. No one knows what's happening with DeAndre. Um, there's there's not a lot of stability there. I know that LeBron does have a heap of respect for Doc Rivers, who's the coach um, of the Clippers, but it's hard to imagine him packing up his life, leaving his home to go and play with the post-Blake Griffin Milos Theodosic <laughs> Clippers. Like, that's not the area you want to <laughs> jump on, right? No, I get that. The, I guess the only storyline that you can create out of thin air for that one is LeBron's interest in building his life post-career and building his, himself as a billion-dollar businessman and sportsman and then playing for an owner who is obviously very well-known. Yeah. Um, so... Yeah. LeBron, man, he wants to be I the mean, goat Steve, on and yeah. off the court, and you got to respect that, and L.A. And look, would be the place. Yeah, exactly, and L.A. is the place, and Steve Ballmer has lots of money, and um, 
I guess the other thing we have to think about or we forget about free agency is players love free agency because it does make them feel good. It's flattering. That's why they're doing it. Back in uh, 2010 when I think this was recently talked about on a Zach Lowe pod. Shout out to Zach Lowe. Um, And shout out to local cafe neighbours for the coffee this morning. Really, really lovely. Fucking shout Um, outs and kill the East, baby. Yeah, Yeah, I mean, hopefully they can sponsor us or something like that. Uh, (laughs) I wouldn't be against that. I'm I'm a pro coffee sponsor. Um, But apparently LeBron, Wade and Bosch, for example, they ended up not together, but they ended up meeting with the Nets only to just meet Jay-Z. That was it. They weren't going to sign for the Brooklyn Nets back then when they were in their transition from mm. Jersey to Brooklyn. Mm. They didn't want to sign there. They literally used their free agency period to meet Jay-Z. <laughs> and they loved it and they really enjoyed it. You take the Jay-Z meeting for sure. That's what, Yeah, that's what they wanted to do. I would take that meeting as well. But for all we know, Kawhi's out there with some agenda, whether it's money or whatever, Paul George is out with another agenda. LeBron's out with another agenda. Or for all we know, all three of them are working together. No one predicted Wade, Bosch, and LeBron were going to go back. Or we're going to go to Miami. That was a weird mix. Yeah, and 75% of people, when they were doing votes and polls of people in the industry, just said LeBron was going to go back to Cleveland. Mm. So people didn't know. So we actually have no idea because they are doing a good job of keeping it quiet. The players, what we do know is which teams want players. Yeah. So we know the Lakers want someone. We know the 76ers want a GM and some players. Shout out to the ringer. <laughs> we know the Cavs want to keep LeBron, yeah. We know the Clippers maybe want to do something. We know the Mavs want to be good again. We know the Rockets want to be good and challenge again. So... We know what the teams want for the most part, but we have no idea what some of these players want. Yeah, and that's why the best the best part of free agency is number one when the watch bombs drop or the sham whales drop, and then the second best part is like the post mortem um, long read reportage pieces where you kind of go into the locker rooms, you go into the offices of the agents, and you find out how this shit all went down. And I have no doubt there's going to be more than one move we don't see coming, and <clears throat> it'll be more interesting than Austin Rivers for marching Gortat. Yeah, I mean, that's not the most interesting trade that will happen this offseason. Anything else you want to touch on with the offseason? Uh, one more thing, perhaps? Yeah, I do want to talk about, I think this flows in together, the Mavs, and how there is a strong belief amongst the NBA that they want to be good again mm. and that they're going to do everything to get DeAndre Jordan or Capella in as their top choices. How's, um, how's Mark Cuban's hard on for DeAndre? Like, that never left. He never stopped loving him. No, he never left. <laughs> he he's still kidnapped there in Dallas. He's still, he's still kidnapped, you know, dialing his number, driving around. <laughs> God, that was what a, a great, ridiculous that was story. That a great I, one. I he ends up. Yeah, I kind of hope he ends up back there. Wouldn't that be beautiful? I want to be there for the Cuban. <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, so that's exciting. And then the Mavs The Mavs had, like, a really, really impressive um, draft. Like, they got an absolute steal in Donkic. Um, and yeah. I don't know why his... his um, 
I don't, I don't know why his stock drops so much because he looks like he's going to be an incredible player. And the idea of him being mentored by Dirk in his first season is kind of sexy. I feel like the, 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 the Mavs got a steal. And so with him in place... And not only a steal, it's a good fit. Yeah, it really does work. It's a work. great fit. They've got an athletic point guard who can't quite handle all 100% of ball handling responsibility. So now they get a, a two guard there who can play next to him and take secondary playmaking responsibility. They have good wings in Harrison, Barn- uh, Harrison Barnes and Wesley Matthews as well. Mm-hmm. So they can play a small lineup with Barnes, Matthews, Doncic, and Dennis Smith. And then they have Dirk and whoever they get to play the five. Uh, and when we talk about playoffs and saying who is your best five, when it comes to playoff time, we'll know who the Mavs five is if they can go and sign DeAndre or Clint Capella. Do you really want to sign DeAndre at this point, though? He's like, he's just so dependent on athleticism and he's just the wrong age. And I don't know if okay, I want to This be... is also a guy that has played between 77 and 82 games every year. Correct. Wow, is that true? So he do- Yeah, he doesn't get injured. We'll Damn, that's durability for a big we'll, guy. We'll play some of that uh, elevator music. Yeah, absolutely. If, if this shit is real, like, what, how many big men are that durable? Like, even Al Horford takes off, you know, eight games a year now. I'm just pulling this up. Thanks for helping me out with the, the delay. That's here what we go. For. All right, so DeAndre. In the lockout season, 2011-2012, he played all 66 games. Okay. Then he's gone 82, 82, 82, 77, 81, 77. Well, that is the best rebuttal so you can say to you're over the, over the hump, you know. You're yeah, so since down. 2011, DeAndre has missed 10 games in the last seven years. The thing with Dallas is they didn't tank very well last year. They are like... No, but they ended with the pick that they wanted. Which is crazy. They, like, they got well. rewarded for mediocrity at being bad. But can you... Like, they've, they've fucked the end of Dirk's career opportunity-wise. So now it's all about mentorship and who they got. They got Yogi. They got Yogi on the up and up. They got Doncic, um, who could prove to be the best player in the draft. Like you said, there's some pieces there. Do you think they're going for the playoffs this year? Or is it I do think they're going for the playoffs, but at the same time as going for the playoffs, they've actually built their entire future for at least the next five years with Dennis Smith and uh, Doncic there. It's nice. They've got guy- Even Harrison Barnes can play for five more years. We're not talking about a number one option on a team, but he, he was can, solid contribute. last year. Yes, he had some really he fucking good a- games. He killed yeah. Boston, like killed us. Yeah, like he's a very, very solid He's almost a prototypical 3ND player, um, a 3ND wing in the in the NBA. So they've got their future sorted. They've obviously got a great market, a great location. They've got a great owner who really looks after his players for the most part. Um, and the only thing they have now is they might have one more year of Dirk and he might start, he might come off the bench or whatever. And I think they can afford to go all out for the playoffs because they know even if they sign a bad contract for a big for Capella or Jordan now, they they still have their future sorted. Hmm. 
That, well, that, that's not a bad picture you paint. And if they can just get one more dude, like you say, they're interesting again. Um, Adam G, before we, before we go, there's two things I want to ask you. Okay. Number one, Dwayne Casey in Detroit. Can he make anything happen? And alongside him, can David Fitzsell make anything happen with the Knicks? So you've got two really good, really experienced coaches going into two smolding tyre fires of franchises. Can either of these two guys make a cultural difference and get those teams back on the right track? Yeah, let me just preface all this with saying that um, Coach Bud, uh, Mike Budenholzer, will have, I think, a more successful season with the Bucks than what... Yeah, no shit. ...these other two teams will because he's coming off a season where his now current team, the Bucks, were atrocious so atrociously coached atrociously coached exactly so the energy from that playing group will be great and they'll have a good season and hopefully Giannis can make some waves in the playoffs Dwayne Casey David Fisdale good luck good luck Uh, I have (laughs) they don't have the players to do it the the three the big three in Detroit of Reggie Jackson Blake Griffin and Andre Drummond might be the worst big three in the NBA. Uh, there might not be a worse three-player group in one team that gets paid that much. Exactly. So he has the most money for the worst three talent yeah. there, um, at least in terms of the players that even a casual fan might know a little bit more about. And David Fisdale has... We know he has Porzingis, who is a great foundational piece. And coming off a big injury. He's coming off a big injury, but we know the kid can basically be an Anthony Davis kind of player. Maybe not necessarily that level yet. He hasn't shown that in terms of the all-round game in every aspect being an elite player. But we know that he can be a stretch five like AD, and there's a possibility that he could be that good, or at least approaching Anthony Davis's level. After that, they basically have a bunch of role players and some overqualified defensive players. So I don't think, I mean, what, do they make the East just because they suck? Someone else sucks? Yeah. Yeah, it's possible. Like, I don't know, East seeds four through 10 could be pretty random this year. You it might, could be, but... I think you'll see I mean, Toronto, you tell, Boston, okay, Washington. Know, but you tell me... Yeah, and those three could, but you tell me who's going to be the number two option in, in New York out, out of Kevin Knox, a rookie small forward who wasn't great. It's more of just a, he was the next guy on the board, so we just take him. Um, Frank Nilakina, who's a great defensive point guard. Frankie Smokes. Tim Hardaway's still there earning lovely so amounts of money. He's happy. Emmanuel Moutier is still an underwhelming point guard. Michael Beasley has, is still in the league and might actually end up being in the league for longer than Derek Rose wow. for all that talk about being the number two pick behind him. And your other options are Kylo Quinn, who has a lovely beard. We really appreciate his beard. <laughs> yeah, uh, it's a great beard. He, 
he might have one of the best beards in the NBA, at it's least very, maybe top five. It's beard. dense and even. Dense, even, and well-shaped. Dense and even. Yeah. Absolutely. And he has a lovely smile as well. Oh, yeah. Um, oh, yeah. I, I might, it's a top I might three beard. Yeah, I really like Kylo Quinn. Yeah. Um, and Courtney Lee, who we've heard of and was good maybe five years ago, four years ago as well, but he's just another role player. Courtney Lee is good for one important three every four yeah, games. You know, he'll, oh, yeah, he'll like hit a, he'll hit he'll hit a timely shot or a timely run of shots, and I like him. I like him a lot, but he's not an option. Okay, so there are surprisingly uh, uh, some nice and likable players on that roster. Yeah, but yeah, it's very but thin no second because guy. they have a no, they have a star, and their second guy, according to him, is Ennis Cantor. I like Ennis, but yes, according to him, he is the second best option on that team. He, he might even say he's the best option on that team. I can also believe he would say that. Well, interesting times, Detroit and New York. Um, the last thing I, I want to touch on before I let you go, Adam G. Why, why, why are we going through this ridiculous charade of the NBA awards in June? Like, we, A, the playoffs have been over for a very long time. Very yeah. long time. It feels like last year. B, everyone knew who, who, who was going to win every single award because it just leaks and that's it and it's done. Yeah. And, and C, like, it's just there, there is no drama to it. There's no incentive to be engaged with it. There's no surprise. You've got to pull this, pull this thing back and make everyone attend in between the conference finals and the finals. Like put an extra three days of rest in there, God forbid, and host this thing and make it a primetime thing that you can't miss. And, you know, like, I don't... We knew that James Harden was going to be the MVP since May or April. This is just a waste of time. You actually um, summed up the game and all sports games and other things that we watch for the in very clear three words. You said that it needs to have drama, you need to engage us, and there needs to be a surprise. Mm-hmm. When we have those three things, we are interested. Hell yeah. It doesn't matter whether it's positive or negative or good or bad or the timing of, of it or whatever, really. But as long as there's drama and we're, you, keep it, you keep us engaged by not, you know, waiting until late June to do it um, and you surprise us, then it's good. There was no drama here because, well, the drama was more through the playoffs so that was the big story. That was the drama, and that was what we were watching. We were again keeping – we were engaged in the playoffs. We weren't engaged in the awards because by the time the NBA finals finish, everyone wants a break. Everyone wants to relax and not look at their phones, NBA notifications, or go on NBA websites or anything like that. Everyone's done for the season. And there was no surprise, as you said, because we knew all the awards. So this is it. I don't know – They've overthought this. Adam Silver's done a lot of good stuff, but he absolutely fucked this one up. Yeah, it's got the format's going to change, and I'm sure they will change it. But um, Adam G, he's hoping that the off season will prove to be the best season. I think it will. We want a drama, engagement, and surprise. We're going to get that over the next seven to ten days, and I'm ready for that shit. I'm ready for July one. Bring it on, Adam G. Thanks for joining me. Let's do this again soon. Definitely, Adam B. Thank you very much. Bye-bye. Bye.